one. Hi, welcome to Five Compelling Questions with Sean. We are doing something very different today. I'm turning it over to author William Aid. Hi, Bill. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. I enjoy the opportunity to uh, tap into your head and, and get some answers on, on some issues that I, I find intriguing uh, as a writer. Uh, let me pose the first one. If I gave you 10 manuscripts with the author unidentified, could you tell me which was a male author or which was a female writer? So that is a very tough question. because so I do read a lot of manuscripts and I would like to think that I would be able to um, determine that, but I don't know that I could because I've read so many good ones from flipped and I've been tricked before where I've read something blindly, like in a judging com competition. And I would think, oh, for sure that this, this is a man that wrote this, you know, and it wasn't. So I don't think I would be very good at that test. I think I would fail. <laughs> so, I'm not sure. But um, yeah, that, that's a very good question. And it's very hard to say because I think it depends on the writer. It's so individual. And, um, you know, a good writer is a good writer. And I think, you know, I, can't, I, I, don't think I, I don't think I would pass. I think I would maybe get a, like a 60%, but I would try. <laughs> I find that uh, I am influenced by knowing the, the gender of the author. I once read a short story by Curtis uh, Sittenfeld and, and I was really impressed with it. And then I was surprised when I found it was a female, a woman. <laughs> and, and that uh, um, I find that uh, it, you know, just got me to thinking about gender and its influence on writers. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, let me ask you the next question, male or female? Which one is better at writing the opposite gender's voice? So that's another tough question. That's, that's, a, that's a tricky one because I don't think any, I don't think either one is better. I think there are writers that are more skilled um, at that than others, but I think that you, you can point to examples in both in both situations um and more uniquely you know i was thinking like what are some examples i could say you know one of my favorite books and many many people's favorite stories of recent days you know recent years is gone girl and that book is written by a woman but she's half of the book is narrated you know by the husband and half of the book is narrated by the you know the girl the woman and um I think they're both equally compelling sections of the book. And I, I wouldn't be able to, if I didn't know who wrote that, I was, I wouldn't be sure. I wouldn't be sure um, who, if it was a man or a woman writing those pieces. So I think that's, you know, that's an example of, we can't tell. And then, you know, you have someone like Annie Prue who wrote Brookback Mountain and um, she wrote it from the perspective of two, you know, two gay men. And um, that's a tough, that's a tough hurdle. And I think she did it brilliantly. Obviously she did it brilliantly. So I don't think um, anyone is better. I'm not sure that that's, I could quote, I don't think I could qualify it that way. I think there's some really good examples of maybe it didn't work, obviously. And um, sometimes I think, you know, sometimes men might, you know, assume some things about how a woman would think. But I think if you've done your research and you study and you really get into the characters, the voice of your character, then you won't make those kind of blunders, you know. What do you think? Well, once I was uh, writing a blog, going to write a blog about whether men can write, you know, uh, an authentic women, woman's voice, and I did a lot of research 
And I found it's a very contentious issue. And, and uh, I finally decided I didn't want to hit that hornet's nest. And, you know, here I was an old, old man, you know, trying to establish myself as a writer, you know, pushing a story with a woman's uh, voice and I didn't want to mess with it. So I, I backed away. But uh, I, I think I, I've successfully written, or at least successfully in the sense I was never called out, written women's voices and short stories. And I feel it can be done, but uh, I think it's a little bit tricky. For example, Kerry Cox, one of our authors uh, in his book, Money Bear, I was reading that and he started out with a, uh, a lesbian as, as a character. And my first impulse was like, whoa, Carrie, you know, can you pull this off? And I felt he did, you know, of course I'm not neither female nor a lesbian, so I don't know how authentic it was, but it didn't sound off to me. So I, I just think it's, it's kind of curious and it's something that I'm conscious of as I write, uh, especially with a female perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, and it's, it has been a, it can be a contentious issue and there's a lot of discussion around it. And, but, you know, you also can't go into the world saying, okay, I'm going to write a book. All my books are going to feature only straight white men, you know, because that's not realistic. That's not going to be, you know, we have to be able to write the characters we want to write. And I think as long as you approach it um, with sensitivity and authenticity and, staying away from stereotypes and just you don't want to do that anyway when you're building any characters so you know, as long as I think you keep those pointers in mind and I think also giving it to a woman that you know to read is a good plan you know sometimes I read women I read different books and a woman will do something and I'm thinking I, you know, I don't think I wouldn't do that you know but i i my friends do things I wouldn't do <laughs> so we're all different and unique people and I think also regionally in the world you know, I don't always understand the, how people on the West Coast do stuff because like Carrie is based on the West Coast and, you know, I would not get up in the morning to go fishing. Like, it's just not a thing that we would do in New York or in Maryland. It's just not, right. you know, unless we lived on the Chesapeake and it was our business, but it's just, they, you know, even regionally, we are different here in, in the States and not, not to even get into the rest of the world, but, you know, we have to just have to come to it with your own, can't be afraid to write in another voice. You just have to be sensitive and not try to just brush it off and just you know create a character that you think might be this way you'd have to really i think focus but you have to do that for all your characters if you want to be a good writer i believe yeah i agree here here's a story you might be able to relate to uh, i had a a short story uh, that a friend of my son he's in his 30s and, and this young lady laura eve uh, just a brilliant young writer, you know, poet, published poet and stuff. And she was reading one of my crime short stories and uh, the protagonist referred to women as dames. And she said that I, I should not do that, that I was stepping over the line. And I thought, well, wait till I tell the dames of detection that they are socially inappropriate. But, uh, you know, it, it threw me off uh, that, uh, you know, it's not only East Coast, West Coast, but it can be generational too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we're, we're alluding to, you know, the golden age and, you know, Dame, Dame uh, Maggie Smith and those kinds of dames. So I don't think it's, I think if you're, you know, writing in a time period where that was what um, women were called, you're fine, you know, but I, I, I'm not, I didn't know that that would be like a thing 
I probably wouldn't walk outside my house and call my, you know, my neighbor a dame, but because <laughs> yeah. she doesn't work in the mystery community. So she's like, what would that, you know? So yeah, but it's, it's funny how words change over time and take on new meanings and fall out of favor. And we've seen that, you know, it's just a constant cycle. Do, yeah. do you or, or, or Harriet or Vernon, when you're, you know, offering suggestions to an author, do you ever find yourself having to make suggestions on how they uh, become more gender sensitive or, or accurate uh, as far as the female or male voice? Um, I haven't run into that too much, but yes, we will step in during the developmental editing stage. Um, if I see something that I feel like it just it just doesn't fit with that character or that why that person wouldn't be doing that or saying that, I will, you know, that's when I we point that kind of thing out. Um, I haven't run into it too much when, you know, a lot of the times when they're getting to me, it's I'm doing the more final edits, but I have spoken up a couple of times where, you know, most of the time when it's my turn, it's like, oh, you, he was driving a blue car and now he's driving a red car. So why don't we fix that? Or, you know, the continuity things. And those are always kind of fun to find. <laughs> but um, nobody that I've worked with from the beginning to the end, I've had, I haven't had to um, ask them to change anything substantially when it comes to that voice or character. Um, so I think we've gotten rid of a couple characters just altogether, just because they weren't necessary to the story, but yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, but it's always something I'm sensitive to. And I'm always reading for, you want to read for enjoyment for, for the end, the end readers, you know, are, are, who are writing books for, you know, the, the person's buying the book to read it, which I also want to, um, you know, make sure that the author is enjoying the process too. And everyone's authentic <laughs> and happy. I try as a male author, I try to, uh, listen to my, when I, I'm writing a female character I may uh, put my sister one of my sisters in the character or my wife or you know my female friends or my daughter and, and I find uh, that that kind of feedback where I, I'm not imagining but where I'm recalling conversations and, and their feelings and how they express themselves that mm -hmm. I can maybe translate that into their you know inner thinking and uh, hopefully that you know that works but uh, uh, yeah yeah I think characters are always sort of influenced by our own personal experiences and definitely you know your your family your friends people that you've known you can kind of see you've you've seen them in you know your family especially you've seen them in great times you've seen them in not great times and you can you've witnessed how react people react but and that's individual per person and personality too but you can kind of get a general sense about women that you know how they have reacted in different situations and that's how you set your baseline for your character and then you build on that and make them not your daughter obviously because you don't want to do that right but um it's it's research it's observation it's and it's voice that's how we find voice for characters it's from what we've experienced it doesn't come from a vacuum right Right, I agree. Okay, my next question. Uh, you read crime manuscripts every day. You write in the genre, uh, and you said you, you watch crime documentaries, you know, you're heavily involved. Uh, do you ever get exhausted from the genre? Sometimes, I, well, I'm a huge true crime fan. Um, we were talking a little bit about that earlier, and then before we turned on the recording. And, um, 
I love all those shows too. So I, when I lived with my mom, when I was a young adult, like lived with her for a little while after I, I came back from New York and um, was transitioning into buying a house. So I stayed with her for a little while. And uh, our Friday night routine was we would get a, a big a pizza from the local pizza pizzeria up on the corner and we get a bottle of wine and we'd open that and eat pizza and watch um, true crime for, for the <laughs> yeah. discovery ID, whatever. We watch, uh, you know, forensic files. That was our show in 2020. We watch all of them. And um, so I just, my mom loves true crime as well. So we just, that's, you know, that's what we did. And then right. I, watched, I watched law and order. I watched CSI, watch all those shows. And um, now I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts when I'm working, if I'm not reading or editing or writing, I put a true crime pro podcast on while I'm doing other things. And um, that's, I love true crime. I just do, but I do get to the point sometimes where I'm like, I just can't take another murder today. Like I just, <laughs> it's just, use, I need a break. And that's when I turn on the baking shows. So I, like I was, I put, I posted on Facebook a year or two ago and it just, it was one of my most popular posts because I looked at my DVR and I said, all my shows are either murder shows or baking shows. I have nothing in between. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's great. Oh, I, I find uh, when I'm watching, you know, crime stories uh, that I'm critiquing it as a writer. Uh, mm -hmm. For example, the one uh, series with Brian Cranston called uh, His Honor. Yeah. I... I, th I was outraged by it. I just found so many things implausible and I just stuck with it just because, you know, we wanted to see how crazy it could get. But uh, are you a, a fan of Mayor of Easttown? I have it on my, um, I haven't seen it yet, but okay. my, friend, my friends are, my best friends, like you need to watch every week. She's like, you need to watch this, but I'm, I'm such a, um, I love having episodes saved up because I get mad if I get to one and I can't finish. <laughs> so I want to move on to the next episode. So I am going to get started because I don't want to, there's also the thing you run into spoilers. So I'm going to probably start it this weekend, but I can't wait. But I did see the Saturday Night Live spoof of it and that made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, that spoof was great. But the, the last episode, I won't spoil it for you, but the last episode, you know, initially when I, I started watching, I thought, you know, there's so many characters, they all look alike. I can't figure this out. But I stuck with it. And in the last episode, um, it, it had such a great twist that I rewatched it. And, and, and I said to my wife, you know, as an author, I admired how they introduced this subplot and then quickly resolved it in a very dramatic way. <laughs> and I find as, as an author that I'm critiquing movies and, and television programs from like what's plausible or how I would do it, or if I see something that I really admire, you know, from a creative perspective, I'll respond to that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so funny that you said that just now because I started, I watched a show like last week. I never know what day it is. I just, you know, I know when it's time to stop working and put on the TV and have some wine. So, but I put on um, the show called The Serpent on Netflix. Well, how is that? Oh my God, it's so good. And I loved it and I just couldn't stop watching it. So I'm like every night I watched one or two. I try not to watch too late because then I, I, you know, I have to go to bed and I can't remember. And I don't want to ever kind of stop an episode. So I like, I watched the one or two each night. I think there's eight episodes or six, but I immediately started watching it again from the beginning because I was really? so, I was so fascinated by the storytelling and the way that the, the filmmakers, because it's based on a true story. But the way the filmmaker, it's dramatized, you know, but it's a drama. It's a, it's a fictionalized version of what happened. And I just was so fascinated the way that, because it keeps, it shifts back and forth in time. Each episode shifts back and forth in time. 
And at first, you know, you're coming into something new and you don't know what it's happening and you're like, okay, you know, but then I could see they were building the characters through the episodes. I wanted to go back and like watch it now that I know the characters, I know what's going to happen just to see the structure, how they structured it. Cause it was so, I thought masterful. And I think everyone should win all the awards that all the actors are beautiful. And it's beautiful to look at, even though, you know, he's a serial killer. (laughs) It's terrible subject matter, but it's a gorgeous show to watch. Like everyone is, I love their clothes. I mean, I just was like, I can't get enough of it. So I probably won't, I'll I'll take a break and maybe watch it again in a year after I finish my second watching, but it's very, very good. I highly recommend the survey. Glad to hear that because we, you know, it pops up and we're always looking for new series to get into. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's good. Of course, as a father, the downside of seeing these crime stories, like my daughter went to Ocean City, you know, for a quick vacation. I said, what, what floor is your hotel room in? You know, if it's a, a crappy hotel, get out, get out. I'll pay for a better one. You know, it's, uh, it does influence me, but okay. Well, for that, sure. That, I know every, my son is, um, I, I still have a young child. He's only 10 and you know, I was talking to him in last night. I'm like, what are we, you, you're never going to get in a car with, you know, a stranger, right? He's like, no, you know, but I just like, I'll slip things in like that. Like, oh, good night. Have a good, I'll see you tomorrow. You know? Um, yeah. I watch a lot of those shows and it's just, it does affect your parenting. You know, it's just you, every minute I'm like, are the doors locked? Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's great. Uh, uh, my next question, is there any crime subgenre that you don't read? Um, I was trying to think, I saw that your question, and I couldn't think of any, and I, because I read um, all the way from pretty cozy, cozy cozies, because I, as my involvement with Malice Domestic, um, a lot of cozy authors do come to that, even, it is a traditional mystery, so we have cozies there, but we, it's, it's traditional, so all traditional, all cozies are traditional, not all traditionals are cozies, because we also have books like, you know, Louise Penny, which nobody would really call a cozy, um, but so I love, love, love traditional mysteries. I love Agatha Christie. I like the Golden Age books. And I'm always reading one of those every month. Um, but then I like all the way up to, you know, I don't really go the super hard edge though. I don't do super, thr- I used to read a lot of thriller, like kind of gory thrillers in my younger days. Um, like some of the early James Patterson books are just a little too harsh for me. Like just, just the violence, especially violence against women was just a little too much. I, I don't like super rapey kind of book so I will stay away from that I don't like that so much I mean I have read but it's kind of like I don't really want to go there so that I guess the answer would be all the way the super hard-edged super super sexy violent stuff is not really my cup of tea but I like um psychological thrillers um you know Patricia Highsmith and I like Laura Lippman a lot you know I think she's on the darker edge and so yeah that's that's I go all the way up to like 90 and then I don't want to go with 100. I I, I feel bad to admitting this because uh, uh, so many cozy mystery writers have been so supportive of me over time as far as through Sisters in Crime or critiquing my work. And I, I just find cozy mysteries just too cozy. Mm-hmm. That uh, I, I admire the, the style, the structure, you know, the characters, the personality, but it's it just not, not enough of a bite to you know, draw me in. Yeah. And then, yeah. And it's, um, there, a lot of them are very character driven. So it's, you know, you have to, that's your, you know, they're creating this family and of characters and, and it's, it's comforting. That's why they're called cozies. So a lot of people enjoy them because they know what they're going to get. And they also know they're not going to get hit in the face with the, the, you know, with a violent scene, the next page. And that's, you know, there's, it's, uh, that's what that is, but there are some really, really great 
writers working in that subgenre, um, of course, as in, as in all the genres. But it's so nice that we have such a wide range to choose from in our, I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't really read a lot outside of mysteries. Um, I have, a, I'm in a book club with three other women and they don't, they're, you know, when I'm with them, I read other things because they don't read <laughs> mysteries. And I, they were laughing at me last year because uh, one of, um, one of our members, she picked a short story anthology and I was reading it and it was, they were so good. I think they were Scandinavian stories and um, I'm reading the book. And, but I said during our dinner and talk about it, I said, nobody got killed in any of these stories. <laughs> I was like, I, was, I was kept waiting for someone to get murdered because I'm so, my brain is so trained. Like, well, what is happening? Like, why is no one dead? Why are they not trying to figure it out? You know, it was just like, oh, they went to the movies that day. That's the, that's the story. I'm like, okay. So that's, I'm a little, my, I've, I've uh, brainwashed myself into thinking there has to be a murder in everything I read. <laughs> so. yeah. I, I, I'll take a break from, uh, you know, true crime and, and, and you know, reading uh, suspense novels with like literary fiction. Uh, I'm a big, big fan of the New Yorker and, and the short stories. And I get, you know, short stories collections from like Plowshare and, and you know, so on and so forth. And, and those are interesting in a sense that I, I love the lyrical nature of the storytelling but like you, it's sometimes I say, well, how do they solve this? There's no ending to this. It just kind of dies out with them. Yeah, you're like, what? Is this the beginning of a story? I'm not sure what's happening. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah. Not, uh, I like I like the uh, the crime novel. I like the crime story structure. I like there to be something to an inciting incident, something to solve. You know, I just like the puzzle of it. And I'm, yeah, it's hard for me to read, <laughs> but I do. I try to. But if anything, I'm also I read. Um, sometimes I read. I don't read so much literary fiction that much anymore because I was an English major and I sort of had to yeah. for a long time and I'm, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good, good yeah. there. Um, but I do like to read memoirs. I read a lot of chef, like chef memoirs. Okay. Um, I read a great book. It's one I still think about it all the time. Um, Notes from a Young Black Chef. Um, the, the, his name's Kwame and he was a, he was a, uh, finalist on Top Chef and he wrote this memoir and he just had this, you know, really interesting life and he's a young man still, you know, so it's just fascinating. It was fascinating. I just love hearing about how people get into their creativity and their professions and stuff. So I will read, I read a lot of, I read a lot of chefy memoirs, I read a lot of Anthony Bourdain books and stuff like that. So um, that's where I go to get away from crime. Although there was some, there is some crime in some of those books. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> Restaurant people get involved on the wrong side of law sometimes. It's just the way it goes part of the industry yeah okay next question do you find your writing is influenced by the manuscripts you edit i think not but i think um i've become i think i've become a much better writer because of all the editing that i do because i kind of you know when you're coming to something from the outside you can see what's what you can see where someone's trying to accomplish something you can say oh that's really cool that they're working towards that and you know, it makes you think, okay, should I, you know, could I be doing, should I be tightening up my stuff that way? So I do, you know, it's never anything resembling um, what they're writing, but it's just thinking about, you know, a piece of work from the technical side of it oh, makes you better on the other side when you're going, sitting down to write. So I am very efficient. I don't use a lot of time because <laughs> I don't have a lot of time. Um, so I think I've definitely gotten stronger from all the editing that I've done over the years. And I've, I've seen that happen since I started many, many years ago. So, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's beneficial. 
it's beneficial to read other people's work. It's beneficial to read anything, anything when you're writing, you have to read all the time. Cause it's, it's just like cross-training. You have to, you have to take it in. I just happen to read a lot of things that haven't been published yet. So that's my, difference. that's my, that's my, uh, that's my unique skill that I have or unique uh, advantage that I have right now. But I love reading new manuscripts. I love discovering new writers, new voices. It's just a passion of mine and ours, obviously. And, um, it's just wonderful. And I just, you know, I sit down at the end of the day and I say to my husband, like, I love my jobs. I just do, <laughs> this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. You, know, we, you know, there's ups and downs and there's days you're like, ah, you know, st stuff, stuff will fly off the rails sometimes, but it's overall, it's just been, a, it's been, I'm, I found my, my groove where I need to be. So I've been right. in it for a while, but now we're like really rolling. So that's cool. Good for you. Great for the rest of us. Yeah. Uh, I find myself, you know, after, especially after I've read my manuscript for the, you know, countless time, you know, thinking, you know, this, my style is so, I mean, it's clear, but it, it's boring. And, and what I'll do is I'll dig into some literary fiction and, and I'll see something that captures my attention. Like, I love the way they phrased that. Mm -hmm. and, and I might, you know, look at my work and think about, you know, can I switch just a sentence or two around from time to time to bring some life to it, just to break up the you know monotony of Bill Abe's voice. And, and hopefully that's not what comes through for the first time reader, but as the writer who, you know, is immersed in my work uh, constantly, you know, I, I worry about that. So I find reading other stuff, uh, other authors, uh, I will make a note of something that catches my eye and maybe, you know, I have this long list that I'll look at as I'm writing my work and think, okay, you know, maybe I can try this or try that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I never think you're boring. I've, I've edited a bunch of stuff for you. So I think you're good. I think you're, um, but I can see your literary influences. I can see that you're, you're, your words are chosen carefully and there's a, there's an underlying humor to the way you um, present your work and that I appreciate. And I think, you know, having a layered, um, skill like that is that comes from practice and writing and listening to voice and um you know you don't just sit down and write like that that's basically so it's because it's comes from a long love of words that's my opinion i think that's what you've done well my story which i told before i uh i had retired and and i told my wife that i was you know wanted to dabble in writing she said well if you're going to do it you had to do it you know, seriously Mm -hmm. you know, join, join groups, you know, get training, so on and so forth. And I had a manuscript in hand and I went to, I, I saw in my library a, 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 a sign for a Sisters in Crime, the local Chessie chapter mm -hmm. was having uh, a session on cozy, you know, cozy mysteries. So I walk in there and I look around and, you know, I think, wow, I'm the only man here. <laughs> and, and, you know, what are cozy mysteries? And, and Sherry Harris, uh, you know, was one of the presenters and, and, you know, it really caught my attention. And afterwards I went up to Sherry and I, I said, I have this novel and I'm looking for a developmental editor. And she recommended Bar Barb Goffman, who's mm -hmm. also, you know, heavily involved with our, our chapter. And I reached out to Barb and she said, well, send me the first 10 pages. And I did. And she wrote back and she said, Bill, I would be stealing your money if I took you on as a client. You don't know what you're doing. And, and fortunately, you know, as an older as an older person, I've had enough success in life 
that it didn't totally devastate me. So I took her words to heart and she directed me toward the writing center up in Bethesda. She introduced the Alan Orloff as a mm -hmm. teacher, you know, all these people who are in our organizations. And over time, I just got better and better. And there were the rejections. And then I got some accepted, you know, short stories. And then I got into a couple of anthologies, you know, the best New England crime stories. And, and of course, the highlight was, you know, six months ago or last year when uh, Harriet wrote to me and, and offered me a contract. So uh, I think the thing I'm most proud of as an author is my progression. Mm -hmm. And that, that's the message I give to anyone who starts out that uh, uh, you, know, you got to get the satisfaction of seeing your improvement. Yeah. And uh, uh, it was really great for me, you know, because after I retired, you know, I found diving into being a writer with, you know, getting to know other writers, it was like starting a whole new career, you know, that excitement of learning uh, about things that you hadn't known before in the sense of achievement. So uh, Absolutely. that's kind of my story. Yeah, well, and it's, it's look how far you've come. I mean, that's yeah. great, I mean, people yeah. work, you know, toil away for years and years and years and years and years before anyone notices anything they've done, so. Yeah, um, my goal is to become number one level best <laughs> author. Take it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and it's, it's funny because you're all my favorites. That's what I always say. Uh, I have like 75, you know, favorite sons and daughters. <laughs> I love uh, that. You and the Danes do such a great job, you know, uh, as far as, you know, creating an environment, a positive environment, a supportive environment to us authors. So uh, thank you very much for just being you. I know not everyone, not all small presses do that. So Oh, thanks. I appreciate. Yeah, we 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 have a good vibe going. I think <laughs> it's nice of you to say that. I've heard that from a couple people. You know, they're they're just excited that about the uh, the community. You know, and I, I do think, you know, we're we're not like high, sitting high above you all. Like, here's it's our way or the highway. This is how it goes. We really want to collaborate with you on each step and help and you know make you know be on the journey with you, not just like setting you loose and out there. Like, okay, good luck to you. Good <laughs> your book. You know, we want to be with you, you know, each step of the way. So I think, I do think it's a different structure, but I, you know, coming from the other side, I have been, you know, I have seven books published with another publisher and um, a lot of short stories all over the place with different experiences with each of those. And you just notice, you know, how things are done elsewhere and how you would, you know, like to be treated. And then when you get to be the boss, you're like, well, this is how I'm going to do it. You know, cause I worked in corporate world for a really long time. I worked in New York city for large, you know, fortune 500 companies and, you know, when you're just a person on the street working for a large company, you're like, well, I would just, you know, why are they doing it this way? I'm going to do it this way. <laughs> you know, so you sort of like remember all those things like, well, I would like to, my people to feel good when, you know, they come to work or happy people or productive people, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I'm just, we're all, I'm just, a, you know, I'm a very positive person as it, as it is anyway. So I don't, I don't like, I don't do things that aren't fun and I don't th do things that are, that make me feel bad. <laughs> yeah. or make people feel bad. And my grandma always said, you know, when you meet someone after the, after you've walked away, you want to leave them better than when you found them. And that's just always something I try to try to stick to. You can't work every time, but you know, it works most of the time. So, well, you you definitely achieve that with the community. You know, it's not only you know they're 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 so gracious with sharing information and being supportive, but it they they sort of set a standard that you want to achieve. You know, you don't want to let 
down level best books in, in the sense you don't want anyone else associated with it, you know, to uh, feel that you've not performed according to the standards that everyone else is performing. So, uh, well, I don't think you have anything to worry about, Bill. You're doing great. <laughs> great. Okay. Well, that's all the questions. Well, let me ask you this question. I think some of your traditional ones, uh, oceans or mountains? Oh, I am a beach girl for sure. I will always go to the beach every time. Okay. Um, coffee or tea? <laughs> I can't remember your question. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Coffee. Uh, I drink tea in the wintertime in the afternoons, but I do. I'm a coffee lady in the morning for sure. Pie or cake? <sighs> cake. Although I love pie as well. Uh, like pie or cake? Um, I'll go with pie because I love baking pies and they're fun to bake. Okay. Um, indoors or outdoors? Outdoors. I'm a summer person. I like being outside. Super sandwich. Mmm, sandwich. Oh no, I love soup. I'll have to go with soup. I make I make big pots of soup all winter long. So every week we have a new soup that I've made from scratch. Um, yeah, and my husband's like, I don't like soup. I'm like, yeah, you do. And he's like, now I like soup because I'm eating soup that's not from a can that tastes like a can. I'm like, yeah, it's you know, it's the way it's supposed to taste. So. Okay, white or red? Hmm, that's a good one. I guess, I guess white. You're spending more time thinking that than any other question. <laughs> I know. I guess white because there's more there's more options to put okay. it with things. Okay, one last question. Okay. Am I your favorite author? Yes, absolutely. One hundred percent. Thank you. <laughs> I do love you, Bill. You made my day. Oh. You made my day. Thank you for um, turning the tables on me in a nice way. <laughs> okay, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll have you back on the show um, in a little while, and we'll, and we'll get some questions out of you. But this was a really fun conversation, and okay. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Have okay. a good rest of the day. All right, you too. Bye-bye. Okay.